0: Hello and welcome back to Agency Highway. This is episode 117 with Brent Weaver from YouGurus. Brent, thank you so much for joining me. Great to be here. You are a repeat guest. Uh, You were on actually a very long time ago now. I don't even know what episode number it was, but it was a very long time ago. And I heard you are bringing out a new book. So I thought it would be great to bring you on uh, and talk about this because, I mean, if if you're listening to this and you don't know you gurus, uh, I mean, they help. They're basically an agency coaching uh, organization, I would say. But I know so many people that have personally been helped by what you do, Brent. Uh, you've done awesome stuff in the agency space. You've helped people grow their businesses uh, and, and create an agency that they actually love working in. So, first up, thanks on behalf of all the agencies.
1: Absolutely, man. We've been around uh, a little while, which I've been able to make some repeat visits on uh, several podcasts in the last couple of years. So it's cool to have been around long enough to see your success and and others like you um, with your programs and your audiences. And uh, and also thanks for
0: doing what you do, man. Thanks. Thank you very much. Yeah. I mean, I love the fact that like podcast is such a great medium to help people out, you know, while they're doing other mundane stuff, like whether it's watering the yard or like, I know it's a random example. I was literally just listening to podcasts yesterday while, while watering. That's why that came up. But yeah, like driving. You know,
1: you know, there's somebody that's right now watering their lawn and they're <laughs> feeling like James just put a big yeah. shout out.
0: totally right you know and so it's like this this mundane like time that you can use to actually learn things that are going to help you succeed so i love podcasting and i love uh you know the amount of agencies that reach out and say how much this podcast has helped even though all i really do is ask questions uh, of awesome people like you brent So, let's get into this. So I, what I like the most about your book is that it seems to take aim at relying on referrals, which happens to be one of the things I see most agencies doing. And, you know, I this was us when I still ran an agency. Uh, most agencies, right, seem to rely on this cycle of just getting referrals and hoping that that next job will come through when they need it. Uh, and your book takes aim at that. Do you want to touch on that a little bit and like why you've uh, picked that to go after. Yeah. You know,
1: if I went to a random collection of agency owners and uh, and I know right now in 2020, it's hard to imagine this, but let's say we're all hanging out a big, uh, a big, you know, ballroom of a hotel and we're all jamming together. And I asked the question of, um, you know, how many of you rely almost solely on referrals and word of mouth to grow your business? I think we all know that most of the room raises their hand. I mean, somewhere around like 96% of agencies get the majority of their business through referrals and word of mouth. Uh And there's even a certain group of agency owners who wear this as a badge of honor that they don't market their business and that they get all (laughs) the clients they need through referrals and word of mouth, which is really awesome until it stops working. And on a long enough timeline for every business that's out there, at every, you know, depending on what growth level you're at, you're going to hit a point where you aren't getting enough referrals. And it's a scary place to be at when you have a big business. Uh, Maybe you're doing multiple six figures, or maybe you're even flirting with seven figures, or maybe you have multiple seven figures coming in. And all of a sudden, you, this thing you depend on, referrals and word of mouth, either dries up or isn't giving you enough. New business to kind of feed that monster, and so this the book that I've worked on for the last couple of years, uh, "Get Rich in the Deep End," is really giving agency owners a blueprint of how to, you know, identify a market to become known in, how to become the the expert or one of the top experts in that market, and how to build systems and processes to create
0: predictable uh, lead
1: gen systems in their business without having to invest a huge amount of time or effort
0: yeah nice so yeah like the reliance on referrals is super scary you know it's it's i don't know it just seems to work out for a while while we were running our agency it's like well man we have no runway after this month like all our projects are finishing and then it's just like oh man i hope one comes in or hope something comes in before the end of the month because what are we gonna do with all these like guys all these bums on seats what are we gonna do uh so i totally get it like relying on referrals. It does seem like a t- ticking time bomb. There's only it only takes one string of bad luck for you know you to be dry basically <laughs> of work. And I, I, like, have you seen that actually happen to many agencies
1: where it does uh, run out? I mean, look, because we're kind of get known for this solving this problem. I am contacted by a lot of uh, a lot of agency owners kind of, I don't want to say too late in the process, right? But maybe there's a fire drill happening right now, right? They mm. realize that they have a problem. And a lot of times that moment when you realize that you have a problem around this is, and again, I'm not going to say it's too late. It just, it, it's a hard place to put yourself in when you're relying on referrals word of mouth and all of a sudden those referrals dry up and you maybe have a few weeks of runway, or maybe you have a few days of runway uh, and you're like, okay, we need to find a niche now and we need to get clients in that niche like yesterday, right? Like, that's a really weird place to be at. I mean, the right time to start to work on building up uh, an audience-based strategy is when you really don't need it. It's when you're really busy with referrals or word of mouth, when you have that, you know, that security that you should be thinking strategically about your business and trying to grow that. Now, uh, one thing I want to say, James, is A lot of the reason that people don't have, that agency owners don't have time to market their business is because they are generalists. They're working with a lot of clients across a lot of different industries or problem sets, which pushes them to be in kind of fulfillment mode all the time. You're head down working with clients like 98% of the time and you don't have time to market the business because you're constantly reinventing the wheel. Uh, and and that's one of the the big problems that people have is that like every client is like a different and unique snowflake, and it requires so much energy to deliver value to them. And you don't have any time left over to work on your own business or to market. And so that's also a problem that this uh, this book kind of um, proposes to solve.
0: Yeah, I can. See that, you know, I can see that because I've been there where every single client becomes, you, you're basically starting from scratch. You have to learn their industry. Whereas if, if you are working with, you know, let's say one industry, then you already know the lingo, you know who their clients are, you know the audience, you don't need to do the research. I can see how that would be such a, a I mean, a way to do less work for one, which is, uh, you know, the two things that agency owners always say is that they're doing too much work and not making enough money. And I feel like this is a great way to attack both of those problems at the same time. And, you know, I was just thinking before this episode about different agency owners I know and who's killing it. And straight up, the ones that I know that are the most profitable yet have a pretty good lifestyle at the same time, they're all like heavily... In an industry where they just own it, and I know that was going to be the original title for your book was "Own Your Market," something like that, right?
1: Uh, it, it it did make it into uh, into the sub the subtitle, uh, right? So it, it's still you know if you yeah we uh, the the concept of owning your market is uh, is still a big part of the book, but we definitely wanted to uh, to make the 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 title something that was kind of bold and like the idea of to, to your point, you don't get rich in the shallow end. Generalists, by and large, don't get rich. I mean, we see that in the obvious uh, analogy of the medical practice, right? Like, have you met many family doctors that are loaded, right? I mean, it's not really, right? But like neurosurgeon, if somebody's like, oh, I'm a neurosurgeon, right? You probably know the dude has like, three houses, a couple of boats, a really nice car, right? Like, you're not really wondering, like, is this guy scraping by, right? Whereas, like, the family practitioner that kind of sees everybody's all the runny noses, uh, you know, they typically aren't, you know, they, they look like they're tired.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Unless unless they've done something smart and, and created, like, a, a series of practices and they're not actually doing the, the GPing anymore. <laughs>
1: Right, right. Yeah. I mean, there is there is, uh, there is edge cases and stuff like that. Oh, of course. And, and here's, you know, and, and I've, I've, I've talked to a ton of uh, generalist agency owners that are running seven in multiple seven-figure, even eight-figure businesses, and it's crazy because sometimes I talk to those guys and they're making personally less money than some businesses that are a fraction of their size that are hyper-niched. Uh, now, maybe in an acquisition or in a roll up, maybe their business is worth more because they're doing, you know, three or $4 million, right? Maybe there's a case where they're building a a more valuable business, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard to scale a business that is a a generalist practice, right? So we want to see, um, we want to see businesses to start to identify those patterns where they can create some repeatable, solutions in, in the marketplace. Um, is so where I really got into this was, you know, we were a generalist agency. We ran, I ran a digital agency for 13 years. And for eight of those years, we were, you know, anybody that had a checkbook was our client. And I remember I was at an event one time and somebody asked me they're like, Hey Brent, you know, what's your niche? And I was like, oh, we don't have a niche. Like we, anybody that has a a checkbook is my client. I thought I was so cool and so savvy for saying that, you know, anyone could be my client. And I thought that was an unfair uh, advantage. And it wasn't after we started picking up a bunch of clients in the restaurant space where it was like, we had maybe five or six restaurants as clients. And I was really starting to get to know that market. Like I knew, some terminology in that market. I knew kind of generally what they needed on their website. Um, And I actually even started to understand like the software, like OpenTable, Yelp. And I started to understand like the different platforms that these restaurants use. And locally, I started to know like the liquor reps, the food suppliers. And I started realizing when I went in and sold these clients, I'd sit down with a restaurant owner for a meeting, like my sixth or seventh or eighth restaurant owner that I sat down with, like my pitch was taking a lot less work. It was really easy. Like the restaurant owner would sit down and he'd start dictating what I needed, you know, what he needed on the website, he or she needed. And I'd kind of hit the timeout button. I'd be like, hey, you know what? Um, Let me ask you a few questions. And I would ask these questions that would like drill right to the point, right? Like, how many seats does your restaurant have, right? How, what's your capacity? How, how big is your email list right now? How many people are actually coming in and booking reservations off of a typical email that you sent? How many emails are you sending per week? I started asking these questions, and you could just see these guys were like, I mean, half the, half the questions I didn't even know the answers to, right? <laughs> but I was starting to build this profile of the restaurant and what they needed to do online to succeed. And I knew more about what was going to help them push the needle with their restaurant online than they did. And that was that moment for me, huge epiphany. I was like, sales is getting really easy. And my team to deliver the work was like, you know, they were kind of starting to roll their eyes like, oh, another restaurant project. And I was like, guys, let's start building some templates, some frameworks so that you're not having to move there twice. And those patterns are really where I think, I, I personally think we can have a lot more fun problems to solve in our business.
0: So if this is, so simple. And like, I totally believe that it is (laughs) right. Like I don't think it's as difficult as as it is in people's mind. The whole time you're speaking, I've got this, uh, guy I know, um, in my mind and I'm just envisioning him speaking on stages uh, with rooms full of dentists. Cause he truly does own that. It's like the cliche industry of dentists and uh, but he totally owns it um, here in Australia and, and makes a stupid amount of money uh, because he owns, you know, that market. He's the, the go-to guy. He knows the lingo. He knows their problems. Um, so, you know, if, if I know so many people who are doing really well with niche agencies and, and you're saying this and you know, it's, it's not that, well, I don't think it's that difficult of a process. Why don't you think more people do it? So let's, you know, and, and James,
1: you couldn't have used better terminology. Uh, you know, there's, there's simple and there's complex. There's easy and there's difficult. And I think, in, in, in the book, I walk through the five A's uh, to owning your market. And they are really simple, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's easy. Yeah. Uh, A lot of people get really hung up on the decision. It's uh, it's kind of like choosing a mate in life. Um, We don't oftentimes, you know, just think to ourselves like, oh, like I'm going to, you know, pick one out of a lineup and then go marry that one. Right. Like, you know, there's there's some steps that you take. Right. You you go up and introduce yourself. You maybe uh, go out on a date. Uh, maybe you get into a relationship, maybe you move in together, maybe you get married first, then move in together, right? There's, there's some <laughs> nuances and some personal preferences, right? Uh, but there's, there's a process, right? In, in the process to get married is actually, I mean, we probably agree. It's a pretty simple process, right? It's not rocket science. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely for a lot of people. It's not an easy process, right? It's a difficult thing, right? And I think choosing a market and owning that market is also kind of the same thing. Like the high level concept, it's really, really simple. Um, I think the steps in order to own your market are also really simple. But the reality is, is it is difficult, right? We have to make certain decisions. We have to start to um, say, hey, look, you know what? We're going to go after, you know, column A versus column B. And there's going to be a trade-off, right? Uh, And some people can't even make that decision. They can't make the decision to go up and introduce themselves to the person at the bar, right? They just kind of sit there and they mull it over and they obsess about it, right? And then that person leaves or the night's over, right? And, and you kind of kind of move on, right? Um, so I, I think that the difficulty, especially up front, is probably one of the reasons that most people don't do this because they're, they're scared. And look, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll own up to this. I'm currently, the current market that I'm focused on right now, James, of digital agency owners that are, you know, uh, between uh, 100K and a million dollars. That's kind of our 80%. We work with some people that are less than 100K. We work with some people that are over uh, over seven figures. But that market, English-speaking digital agency owners, that's my 13th niche. <laughs> so, so, you know, like there's, there's, there's 12, you know, relationships or whatever before this, uh, this lucky 13th. Right. Um, And I think what I've learned is that I'd be, you're better off choosing a market, going all for it, right. Trying to master it and really get in there and go all out as fast as you can and as hard as you can. And then deciding in six months, it's not right for you. Then, you know, quote unquote, choosing a niche and like, mulling it over for six months really not taking any real time or effort into it or money into it right and kind of mulling it over and then deciding oh niching doesn't work for me right like that's, that, that, that's the one that just kills me, right? Where people kind of think they're niched and then they do nothing in their niche for six months and then they decide that niching's not for them. Uh, <laughs> but that, that's probably the number one thing that's, that's challenging, I think, for people is choosing that market and really deciding to go all in and make it happen. And then if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, right? Sometimes, you know, markets change. Uh, for a while, we were focused on uh, the Adobe Business Catalyst market. And guess what? <laughs> They'll be end of end of life they killed the product right like you know that market is no i mean it's kind of there like it, there are p there are websites that are on business catalyst but like it's end of life like mm-hmm. at some point like all the temples we built all the training we built for that market are you know it's worth nothing it's worth zero
0: yeah and you're still here and you're still going so like you, you can change change niche Uh, Just funny, you bring up Business Catalyst. I remember years ago we we converted someone from Business Catalyst to WordPress and then I just threw up like a blog post about converting Business Catalyst to WordPress and as it became like less and less people wanted to use it and then when it got sunsetted, um we started getting a lot of inquiries on it. I was like, wow, that was the most accidental marketing channel ever. It was really good. So yeah, while you were losing clients, I was getting them.
1: <laughs> well, and 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 look, we took that. I mean, everybody that was it's not like those people disappeared, right? So everybody that yeah. was in that market for us, like they became something else. They were already a part of a different market. And and so our first A is So in the book, I cover five A's, right? The first A is, is defining an audience. And a lot of people think an audience is a, you know, when they think of niche, they think of vertical, they think restaurant, they think doctor, they think lawyer, they think, um, you know, uh, dentist or whatever. The reality is, is there's a lot of different ways to define an audience for your market. Uh, you know, let's just use that example. I definitely want to be careful about going down the BC rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. Um, but that audience of people, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a market of people that are moving from one content management system to another content management system, right? There are, you know, if we think about how to build awareness in that market, right? There are people that are going to Google and searching terms, right? There's some traffic available on Google. There's probably some paid traffic. There's probably uh, some lists that we could buy. There might be some... Companies that we could form strategic partnerships with, right? We could go to Adobe and say, hey, um, we know that you guys are end of life in this. We want to be one of the companies you refer business to. And a lot of people did that, like WP Engine did that. Um, there were some really big hosting companies, some big web shops that mm-hmm. took advantage of that, right? They looked at this and said, look, Here is an audience of people that have a set of problems. How do we build awareness in in that market, right? We can do search marketing. We can do advertising. We can do partnerships. We can do paid ads, right? Mm -hmm. There's a way to actually take advantage of that market while it's happening. Is that going to be a market that's going to help your business grow and scale for the next 10 years? Probably not, right? Whereas if you look at some of the bigger markets that have a lot of infrastructure, you know, there might be a little bit more longevity to them than that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So... The big thing I see a lot of pushback on when choosing a niche is, uh, I, and just assume I'm saying niche every time I say niche, I'm like, I just got to pick one and run with it because I feel like I change every time. Um, but I guess there's a bit of a I don't know, scare factor that when they choose one, they're not going to be able to, look, like, they'll lose all their work like what is this is this a misconception or like is there something you would say to people that are worried that if they choose a niche and go for it like you know let' just go to the restaurant example again that all their existing clients are going to get alienated like what what's what have you advice have you got there yeah so so
1: and look, I think choosing a new market is exciting, and what's there's kind of a right way to approach uh figuring out your specialization and figuring out your market. And there's probably a way that, uh, I, don't, I don't want to call it the wrong way. Like in business, it's, it's not that we have uh, made the wrong decisions. It's just that we maybe have made uh, some decisions that are going to cost us some money or they're going to be painful lessons to learn. Uh, and here's, so one of the, probably one of the first times we quote unquote niched was when we went from being a hot press web, we make great websites. And my business partner and I, I, I literally remember the day we were sitting at Wendy's and we were having lunch. We were talking about business. And we we're like, you know what? We really should. Like, we can never figure out where to market and stay consistent. And we're trying to speak to, like, nine different markets at the same time. Our marketing and blog posts are always watered down. Like, we should choose a, a niche. And we kind of committed to it, right? Like, right there in the restaurant, you know, super not, like, you know, it was our Wendy's, right? Uh, <laughs> but we chose the uh, – we looked at our clients. We thought about it. And we were like, hey, we, we're working with some nonprofits right now. And – maybe we should target nonprofits. Like we've, and I looked at it and I said, okay, we've got some relationships here. We've got some champions some people that could maybe help us out. So we made a decision that at lunch that day that we were going to focus on nonprofits because we were web guys. um, You know, what's the next logical thing, you know, we kind of thought to do, right. was, let's go back to the office and let's change our homepage from, you know, we make great websites to, we make great websites for nonprofits. And that was our big rollout, right. (laughs) Right. Let the leads flow in, right? And, uh, and here's what happened. Our leads probably got cut by 70% or more. Uh, all of a sudden the phone stopped ringing. So to your point, right? Like really bad move, right? I'm like, niching sucks. We just went from, you know, hot press web, we'll do websites for anybody, to we'll do websites for nonprofits, and literally 75% of our leads disappeared overnight. Well, let's think about what actually happened there, right? we had not changed anything else about how we marketed our business. All we did was take this web page that had traffic, right? There was existing, you know, link backs and directory listings and referrals and word of mouth, right? We had traffic that existed and all we did was we literally started to communicate to only like 25% of that group of people. Like some of those people were nonprofits because a lot of our clients were nonprofits. So all of a sudden overnight, we turned off most of our lead flow and it was like kind of scary. Like all of a sudden, like we weren't getting proposals. Now, yes, when that rare nonprofit came in, they would say kind of offhandedly, oh, it's really great that you guys just work with nonprofits. But we really didn't get any of the benefits of niching. We just got the trade-off. We just got mm-hmm. kind of the, the downside. Uh, so don't do that. <laughs> you choose your market. Don't go out there and, you know, update your website to all of a sudden communicate to a different group of people. Do
0: you manage WordPress sites for your clients? If so, you should probably check out WP Remote. It's a central platform to manage all of your sites in one place. That includes security, malware, uptime monitoring, and it's even got a built-in staging system. But my favorite feature is the visual regression system that will give you an alert if something breaks on an update so you can get in there and fix it. It was created by the same people behind BlogVault and MelCare. Now, Blog Vault is one of the best backup plugins I've used, and it's also trusted by some of the biggest WP maintenance agencies out there, like GoWP, WP Buffs, WP Valet. So if these guys rely on it, you know it's rock solid. You can try WP Remote for free and get 10% off any of the paid offerings by going to WPRemote.com slash highway. Now let's get back to the show. What
1: would be more effective... Is Once you've chosen that market, what would have been more effective for me uh, that day we chose nonprofits was instead of changing our website, was to simply go out there and find three to five places that nonprofit people hang out and to go invest some time or money into those uh, awareness channels, right, into those places that these people hang out and try to build some awareness for our business, I could have changed almost nothing about our marketing message. We could, we could have still said, hey, we make great websites, right? We just go out there into those channels and invest some time and energy into building awareness into those spaces. And instead of it being uh, something where it was taking leads away from us or turning business away, instead it just would have increased, right? We would have gone out there, would have maybe spoken at a couple of conferences. Maybe we would have sponsored an expo. Maybe we would have gone out and hosted a webinar, right? It would have been net addition, of leads to our current business, right? We wouldn't have told anybody no. And let's say I did that for six months consistently, and all of a sudden we have this pipeline of activities and awareness that's being built, and we're starting to see, gosh, you know, maybe maybe we would have been out at Wendy's again nine months later. Like, yeah, out of the last you know thirty leads we got, twenty-five of them are nonprofits. You know, maybe it makes sense now to start to update our brand. Maybe who we are in the marketplace has actually changed from who we were 9 months ago. You know, at that point where we have a, st- a solid footing in our niche and we're really starting to own that market and we have a network and a list and we have some referral streams, right? Now that's a great time to start saying, "Hey, why don't we maybe either spin off a separate brand or maybe in some cases it makes sense for you to overhaul your core brand and update it to that market-based focus, right? So so that's kind of two different scenarios, right? The, hey, let's just update our homepage and then all of a sudden you know, everything will work out versus going out there and actually building awareness in a market as a net addition to your business. So what we want to see for, for agencies generally is, that as they start to choose their market focus that their business their core generalist agency it's still there it's still if, if they want it to be some people don't want it to be <laughs> uh but if, if they want it to be there it's still growing and then we're able to add to it with the niche based focus and then over time that either starts to replace the generalist work adds to it um or becomes it's it's entirely new thing
0: yeah i love the uh getting married analogy it just fits so well you know it's like in this case i guess updating your brand or your website's kind of getting married, right? Cause it's like commitment you've, well, I guess you can change it back, but it is like changing your whole brand is like this level of commitment to that, that industry, that niche. Uh, but you're going to, you're going to put a, you're going to put a ring on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it kind of is. And then, and then, you know, going out and, and trying to become an expert in, in a field or an industry, you know, spending three to six months, whatever it is, working working it out. It's like dating, right? Like you're, you're trying all these different partners to see which one you work with. You might find that you just generally hate working with with whatever industry it is or i don't know you just don't find it enjoyable or you're finding it too hard to crack maybe there's too much competition or whatever you know uh and then you decide up oh, i guess that one's not for us we can move on to the next one and so until you find one that really gels with you
1: and, and this is uh, i'll tell you another story if, if it's cool so wh- i i live in colorado um a lot of people when they hear them from Colorado, they're like, "Oh, Colorado, right?" Like, you know, have you tried the marijuana industry? Right? So, like, <laughs> it, it's like a thing, right? So, right. So, so when this was first happening in Colorado, we had our agency, and you know, we were like, "Hey, this is." It was really early. They had just gotten the medicinal uh, marijuana passed. It was still a total cluster in terms of the laws and the rules. Like, literally. So so we were like, hey, maybe we could be an early adopter in this market and go out there and help these dispensaries um, you know, market their business, right? We kind of looked at it as like the, the Wild West, the Green Revolution. So we started attending events, my business partner and I. And first it was kind of after-hour stuff. We'd go in the evenings to these like local – mostly it was like political action organizations because a lot of it at that time was getting the stuff just on the ballot, getting it legalized, right? It wasn't really an industry per se, right? But it, this is, these are all the people that became the industry, Uh, So, we started going to these events. They even had some expos where they had, like, you know, a bunch of vendors come out, people that made products related to the industry. So, we started attending those, and I started to create some relationships with um, some strategic partners. So, we had like um, one of the guys uh, sold ads in the local magazine where all the weed shops um, advertised, and he would start sending us referrals because his guys would have ads. And, um, you know, they needed websites, right? So he would start sending us referrals. So we started building these websites for these, these weed shops. And, uh, and we're like, this is crazy, right? Like nobody's in this market. Well, the moment that I decided this market wasn't for me was I went to go visit one of these shops and it was kind of, they were kind of sketchy with me on the phone and stuff. And there was definitely some gangster dudes in this market, right? But this was like the most gangster thing I'd ever had to do. They had me on the camera or whatever, right? And I like knock and I'm like, hey, it's Brent. And they're like, who? And I'm like, Brent. And I'm like, well, you know, give us more details. Like, we need to verify who you are. And I'm like, all right, you guys booked this appointment with me. Like, you know, what's the deal? <laughs> so they're like, you know, all of a sudden I heard this, like, bzz, you know, and the door kind of opens a little bit, right? So I walk in and I like close the door and I look around and I'm in a cage. And I'm like, really uncomfortable, right? Because I'm basically locked in from both sides. I've got cameras on me and there's like a private security guy and he's like looking at me and like all this kind of stuff, but he's kind of private security. Like I'm kind of sketchy. might be in the mob, private security. And uh, so I'm in this cage for like five minutes and they're like, Hey, we're just running some, you know, running some background on you and whatever, making sure that you're safe to come in here. And I'm just like sitting here going, what am I doing? Wow. Like, I don't want to be in a, cage going and visiting clients like this dude I'm sure there's money in this niche but it's just not for me now maybe it was early on in that market but like for me it was one of those moments where I was like dude this just is not the right niche for me I called my business part of the time and we had been doing a lot of work with some great charitable organizations. I was volunteering for Junior Achievement. I was working with the youth of Colorado and right? all this stuff. And here I am getting locked into a, a jail cell with some mobsters. And I'm just like, okay, call my business <laughs> partner. I'm like, hey, God, hey, we're uh, we'll wrap up the projects we have right now, but we're not gonna, you know, let's not invest any other time in this niche. Like, let's move on, right? So, so sometimes you. Sometimes you go on a bad date, right? Sometimes you get locked in a a jail cell or whatever uh, while they're doing a background check on you, and that's (laughs) a little too far.
0: Oh, man, I had a similar experience. My first uh, dispensary experience was in Denver, actually. Um, You know, it was such a novel experience for us in Australia. It's all still illegal and whatever. But um, I know the little cage you're talking about. Uh, I didn't get locked in there for five minutes, but I remember just thinking, like, this is weird. (laughs) So, So, I can totally see. So, James,
1: you were in a cage too, right? We
0: we (laughs) had that story, right? We had that in common. That's cool. Oh, man, but, like, It's just a really good example, though, of how you can find out that an industry isn't for you. uh, and, And there's nothing wrong with changing niche, like halfway through the process, just like dating. If you find someone's not for you, you break up with them and you wait until you find another opportunity. So a couple of times now, you've mentioned events and expos. Is this a good starting place? Is that what you, like obviously right now with COVID, it's probably a bit difficult, but is that a way that you recommend people get started in an industry, like to to actually start working out if it's for them? So
1: our second A is awareness. And when I say awareness, what I mean is you need to look at your audience and figure out what are the opportunities available to you to generate awareness. And the best markets are the ones that have existing infrastructure available to you, meaning that there are people, teams, companies, organizations that have come before you and have created uh, created a market, right? They've created awareness channels. This could be, uh, it could be events, it could be conferences, it could be expos, it could be uh, blogs, that could be uh, email lists, associations, It could be companies like software providers, things like that, right? Basically, anybody who's already identified this as a market and created some type of community list, customer-based, whatever, right? You want to inventory that market infrastructure and then look for opportunities to kind of get your foot in the door. Uh, And I say existing infrastructure. This is is super important. What a lot of people do is what I call the garage band method, meaning they choose a market like as if they were – the Beatles, right? So imagine if the Beatles, instead of going out there and gigging every week at clubs, venues, you know, any place that would hear them, right? Instead of doing that, they played in their garage. Night after night, they played in their garage, right, for their closest buddies, right? And, like, would they have become who they are? Probably not, right? <laughs> like, instead, they went and they had to pitch themselves to the, the, the bouncers, right? The, the club owners, right? hey. Will you put us in front of your audience? And I'm sure at first it was hard. And then it got a little bit easier. And then they got maybe a residency in Liverpool or Manchester. And then it became like, how do we keep up with this, right? We have, we can gig seven nights a week, three times a night. And then eventually somebody said, hey, why don't you, you know, try to go for a big break and come over to the United States, right? They gigged and they gigged and they gigged. And so what you need to think about for your agency is, What's the infrastructure available in your market, and how do you start to gig? It doesn't have to be like um, you know, seven shows a, a week uh, at first, but maybe it's like you, know, you do one thing a month or maybe one thing a week in your markets to start kind of building up that awareness mm. and do that with existing market infrastructure. So for some people, that's conferences. For other people, that might be like webinars. Like, dude, I do a lot of webinars. I do a lot of podcasts. I don't like to travel. Uh, and go to conferences and, and do that kind of thing. Like a lot of people love the speaking thing. Like we get our customers through Facebook ads and through partnerships with with people like you and doing a lot of content, right? I like to be able to get, you know, build awareness from the comfort of my home office. Um, but we leverage a lot of existing market infrastructure in our space.
0: Yeah, nice. I I mean, events and expos, I love going to them. I Yeah, I like to build my audience from my you yeah. room here as well. But to me, like events and, and that kind of thing are almost a break, you know, like before COVID, I was, I'd travel to so many different things, but um, I wouldn't necessarily get work out of them because I was at di- generally digital marketing stuff where everyone else is also <laughs> a marketing agency, right? Which is where you don't really want to be if you're doing this for lead generation.
1: Well, and that's, there, there's a key thing to differentiate here. There is the industry in which you participate in. So I do go I am a part of a mastermind for other companies that are like coaching and training companies, mm-hmm. right? I go and I I do that for myself, right? I you know, we learn the best and you know, the best practices for companies like myself. That's my industry. Then there's the market that I serve. And these two things are really different. Uh, you know, I used to go to, back when we were in our agency, I'd go to like local web meetups or WordPress meetups, right? And I'd give presentations about geeky stuff that web people care about. And I'd wonder at the end of it, I'd be like, man, I did this presentation, it was awesome, but I didn't get any leads. Like, what the heck, man? I'd go to like <laughs> the next WordPress, WordPress meetup and I'd talk about, you know, responsive web design, all this kind of stuff, and I wouldn't get any clients. i be like, what the heck, man? I'm going, people say, go out there and speak, get out there, right? But the problem was, is I was doing it in my industry, right, not my yeah. market. I went into a talk for uh, independent restaurants in Denver that were doing over a million dollars a year. There's a there's a group called Diner that uh, had, I don't know, something like 125 members. And I went and did a Lunch and learned and like 15 people showed up. I left that with... Uh, 13 phone numbers and cards <laughs> and I got, you know, seven clients out of it in the next three months, right? And that's the difference between going out and building awareness in my market versus in the industry with people that I like to hang out
0: with. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was thinking is I don't know how effective meetup.com is anymore, but that's probably where I would have started is going there and and searching for, you know, let's go to the dentist uh, one again, you know, is, are there any groups of dentists showing up together or like, and, and going up, going into one of those little events could be a really easy starting point for someone, you know, especially maybe not even speak going directly to speak at one of those, I don't know, but just like if you're trying to get your foot into a new industry or trying to understand them, you can just show up and listen to the language they use and, and, you know, talk to people there uh, at the end, whatever before the presentation. And then one day maybe you'll do a presentation there. And the fact that you are able to get seven clients out of a total of 15, Awesome, but also doesn't surprise me. If you are the guy speaking at an event for dentists about how to increase their, I don't know, bookings or whatever it is, of course, they're going to want to speak to you. And that's what my friend does now on a huge scale where there's literally like thousands of dentists at one event.
1: Some tips for your listeners, if they're interested in kind of finding that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah, Meetup is uh was i don't know i don't know how they're doing right i mean i imagine yeah. they are having a hard time with with stuff but um you know let, t- take whatever your, your market is right go to google and type in you know your market you know blank uh associations your market blank conferences your market blank uh blogs your market blank publishers top blank podcasts right Top blank blogs, right? These are the types of things that you can go to Google and type in, right? How to grow a blank business uh, is going to help you find some consultants, coaches, or the service providers. You might even take your discipline, like web design, branding, etc., and type in your niche. So niche, discipline, uh, companies, right? So hmm. like, uh, you know, dentist web design, um, dentist PR, dentist marketing, dentist lead gen, Right. So, what's going to happen when you go and you search for this stuff is you're going to find some of that infrastructure. You're going to find other companies and other people. If you're having a hard time identifying infrastructure, uh, then I'm, I'm not going to say it's a no, uh, like uh, an automatic no, but it just should be a red flag for you. You're going to make your life way easier if you find a whole bunch of companies that are already focused mm-hmm. on this market. Now, a lot of people think if they go and Google, you know, dentist web design and they find like eight other companies focus on, on dental websites, they, they automatically think, Oh my gosh, this has been done. This has been done. I shouldn't even focus on this. Right. And I have the exact opposite response. I'm like, sweet. There's proof of lots of money. Like people are spending money on websites. People are spending money on ads. People are spending money on conferences and all this stuff. Right. That means there's, there's a market there. Right. And so for you to come into a market that's already thriving as a small Uh, service shop doing maybe six figures or multiple six or early seven figures of revenue, right? For you to go in there and get a little bit of your pie or help the pie grow is a lot easier than trying to create that from scratch, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's a lot easier uh, to sell the people that are already religious a new religion than it is to sell people that don't, you know, it's really hard to convince atheists to become religious, right? (laughs) But maybe helping somebody go from like, you know, Baptist, uh, Presbyterian, right? That's not a crazy jump, right? So that's the kind of mindset you should be having when you go into the market. If you feel like you're inventing the market and you feel like you've got like, you know, you're going to be first to, to be there, and that's a good thing. I, I look at it the exact opposite, James. It's, it's a really bad thing if you're the one that's kind of creating all of that.
0: Oh, yeah. Yep. And even though that's this, yeah, it's very similar advice in the startup space. And sometimes I wish I had something like proposal software instead of how to get content from clients for agencies. <laughs> you know, like there. Yeah, it's not we've essentially had to create that market as well, but um, it's definitely not as fun. Hey, talking about finding the existing infrastructure, have you played with Spark Toro? I have not. Oh man, I not. this, I am this interested. is, this is so good. So I didn't realize I use Spark Toro as a really good source. So Sorry, Spark Toro trending as a great source of content for my weekly newsletter and social feeds. Um, but what I did not realize is that's just one little Sort of page, the the trending page is just a, a page on the SparkToro website. SparkToro itself is an audience intelligence platform, and you can. I think they just released a new uh, plan for fifty bucks a month because that's the one I jumped on. It used to be over a hundred, um, and you can get in there and just start typing in interests. So I can go like web design. And it'll give me podcasts, YouTube channels, websites, uh, and a bunch of other things that people who are interested in web design. So obviously though, like I might want web designers who are also in business. So I can then go, uh, web designers and, uh, entrepreneur, entrepreneurship, show me the overlap. And it'll give me podcasts, cool. websites, and all that sort of stuff for people who are web designers who are into entrepreneurship. Uh, it's freaking cool, man! Like, uh, so, it's- so,
1: so you have your your podcast. I have a podcast. Are we coming up for web designers? Are we? Are we? Uh, maybe maybe we'll, we'll do that searching offline, right? Yeah, that would, be, that would feel really good, right? If we're if we're a part of this uh, this database. Somebody actually did, re- I think, recently uh, mention this to me. So tools like that. I mean. Dude, they're only going to get better. And, um, you know, I, there's another one out there that I use a lot of times to kind of check for, uh, market proof of IBIS world is like a research organization. There's another one called Hoover's. Um, it's kind of like some market analytics and data. So IBIS world is really good to figure out, um, does my market think of themselves as I think of them? So if you go to IBIS World and you have a hard time identi- like coming up with the keyword string that identifies the 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 correct code of that type of business, then it probably means that you're kind of just like making up the, <laughs> the market, right? Like it doesn't actually exist, right? Uh, I was I was somewhere uh, talking to somebody and I said, oh yeah, like what's your niche? And they were like a mindset coach, and they were like, oh yes, we work with um, uh, uh, entrepreneurs with a uh, like a elevated personal mindset and committed spiritual existence. <laughs> and I was just like, and they were like, and I was like, Oh, what's your number one problem? They're like, yeah, we just can't find any clients. I was like, <laughs> All right. Like maybe there's an event out there that's like called that, like the elevated spiritual entrepreneur event. But like by and large people, like if they have a really hard time thinking, like asking themselves the question, like, am I this person? Like, am I who this, you know, am I one of their ideal clients? If if your market has a really hard time and they need like a decoder ring to be like, uh, you know, you have to explain for five minutes and then they're like, yep, that's me, right? Like, that's a bad thing, right? Mm-hmm. Your market should really self-identify, right? And, and it doesn't go for just vertic- or verticals, but also like horizontals, like software, right? So, for example, like, you know, if I was in a room of people and I said, who here uses ClickFunnels, uses click
0: yeah. right?
1: like. You could have dentists, you could have doctors, you could have businesses of all kinds that raise your hand. Like people immediately know, it's very binary. Like, yes, I'm a ClickFunnels customer or I'm not a ClickFunnels customer, right? Um, you know, who here is currently uh, leveraging some kind of outbound lead generation for their business, right? Like, oh, that's a pain. That's a problem or a type of, of strategy. People that are leveraging outbound for their business, generally speaking, no. Whether they fit into that audience or yeah. not, there's conferences dedicated to outbound, there's software dedicated to outbound, there's you know there's tools, right? So so you really want to make sure that your market self identifies. So tools like Sparktoro, I mean that sounds like fantastic. Sounds like yeah. they're going to do that research like for you.
0: It's Rand Fishkin's new product, I believe. So uh, after he exited Moz, hey, just quickly, um, what was that resource you talked about typing business names into? I B I S.
1: IBIS World.
0: Okay, cool, yeah. All right, well, I'll link that up in the show notes. I- B- uh, yeah. IBIS IBISWorld.com. That's really hard for me to deal with because I don't know if you have them, but we have a bird here called an Ibis, uh, and it's just spelled exactly like that, and they're just aw- awful. We call them bin chickens because they just hang out in bins <laughs> and pick all the crap out of the bins. So, like, w- when you know, I- it gives me an instant... Uh, you know, desire to not go to this website because Ibis are a gross bird. <laughs> there's literally songs about you're, them on YouTube.
1: <laughs> you're you're having like a, a a PTSD moment. I really apologize, <laughs> but I, I have to say every so I, it's one of those tools that I use. Uh, because so so one of the tools that I, the reasons that I use that tool is because a lot of times people will think like, oh, there's you know, oh, I could go after this market, but there's really not that much opportunity. And then we look it up in Ibis world, it turns out there's like. Four hundred and sixty thousand businesses and it's a 12 billion dollar market or something like Mm -hmm. that right but every time i use that tool now i'm gonna think about you and the bird and (laughs) it's gonna put a little smile on my face and Uh, uh, it's gonna be good
0: even funnier this is totally off topic but there's a hotel chain called ibis as well uh i don't know if they're worldwide or not but um I just like, how did they mess this up? Like, how did you call a hotel chain <laughs> that's all over Australia the same as this friggin' grubby bin chicken bird <laughs> that everybody hates? <laughs> like, it's basically a meme to hate these birds. So, <laughs> anyway. Oh, uh, Brent, this has been awesome. I, I think we should wrap it up just because it's, you know, getting towards the end of our time limit here. And um, there's been so much to think about already. I imagine that there's so much more in your book. We've only covered a couple of the A's out of how many? Five A's?
1: (laughs) There's five A's. Yeah. yeah.
0: No, no. There there is more. Yeah, absolutely. But we don't need to melt people uh, listening to this. If they would like to know more about, you know, discovering their niche and then becoming just owning that market, right, to, to make more money and, and create a better agency, they can check out your book, which is at, uh, it was called Get Rich in the Deep End, and it will be live. Well, it's already live on Amazon as we record this, so it'll definitely be out by the time people are listening to this. Where's the best place for them to go? Is it Amazon? Would you like to send them to the website? Yeah, so if you if you
1: are on Amazon, you can just look up Get Rich in the Deep End, uh, or you can search me. My author name should be on there, just Brent Weaver. Uh, you can go to our website dedicated to the book, which is ownyourmarket.com. Uh, if you, we've, we've been pre-ordering and if you pre-ordered, we actually would give you a bunch of extra goodies. So if you do go and buy the book at ownyourmarket.com or Amazon, uh, just drop me an email and just be like, Hey, picked up the book, listen to you on James podcast and, uh, happy to hook you up with all of those extra bonuses and stuff like that. So my email is just Brent at UGurus.com. So if you do end up going to buy the book, just drop me an email, be like, Hey, listen to you on James Pod- James podcast. And, uh, and I'll hook you up with those extra bonuses, uh, as well.
0: Sweet as, and I will drop that uh, email address in the show notes along with all the other resources. Hopefully that means a bunch of scraping services will pick that up and start subscribing you to things. That'll be fun for you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, man. That's no. it. For our
1: listeners that didn't just see my expression on a video there, uh, yeah, we'll we'll let sane mail deal with that one.
0: Yeah, no, I figure uh, the spam filters are really good at that now. Like I don't even bother with email protection on, on websites anymore, just because Google's good enough at filtering it all out. Anyway, more off-topic, Brent. Man, thank you so much for this. This There's been so much, uh, you know, I I love these conversations that actually get me excited about like, almost make me want to go back into agency world. (laughs) But I'm like, nope, focus, stop. Uh, So I love it. (laughs) Thank you so much, man.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: Guys, if you've enjoyed this episode, please uh, head over to iTunes, leave us a review, or just share it with someone you think will get something out of it. If you know some agency owners that are still being generalists and doing too much stuff, think they'll benefit from uh, uh, you know choosing an industry and owning it, uh, share this episode with them. I think they'll get a lot out of it. That's it. Uh, thanks again, and I'll see you in the next episode. Discover how to grow your agency, earn more, and work less at agencyhighway.com. Head over there to get resources from this episode and full transcripts. See you next time. This episode was brought to you by Content Snare. If you're a digital agency or just need to get content or info from your clients, Content Snare can help you collect it on time and without enormous email trails. Give it a try at contentsnare.com.